I bet you could have used a minute Just a little time alone You let me be your little shadow Following wherever you would go Then I got a little older You gave me space to grow I don't ever seem to tell you enough But I want you to know When God made you my mother He knew who I need When he picked you from the others He could already see I feel super blessed to have my mother here as well today. And uh <laughs> Can you get her mic? We're going to attempt to sing a song we have not practiced, but it's a song that when I was a kid, I heard mama sing it a lot with daddy. So, I'm not daddy. 
disclaimer. And uh, we may end up switching out parts, and it may be a big old mess. <laughs> but just listen to the message in the song. I would like to say a little bit, if you don't mind, little Robin. Go ahead. Uh, this is my baby. And uh, she's been a blessing to a lot of people. She's been a blessing to me. And she was definitely a blessing to her daddy. Y'all pray for us. Yeah, because you didn't make me cry. <laughs> How many verses are you That's doing? my intent. How many verses are you doing? Just two. First and last? Yeah. I don't know what key to do it in. I think it's going to be something either. like a... Well, do you want me to just start it off? Yeah, go ahead. If I could count the tears that have fallen, I may not be able to do it in this either, but sing like an ocean to me. And if my heart were a window, window you could look through Oh, the pain and scars you would see. But tears will never fade. The streets are that city. No rays of death on the loss of a loved one the grave seems so final and cold but we'll meet again where death has no victory praise God in our land where we'll If you've got your Bible with you this morning, if you would open to Romans chapter 1. 
Romans chapter 1. We're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. There are two extremes on Mother's Day in the pulpit. There is that extreme that glibly speaks to the holiday and then goes on in whatever series they were in. And I've been guilty of that in the past. Uh, and then there is the extreme that forfeits everything to do with the gospel and tells you how good your mother is. Uh, when you were here to honor her and you knew that already anyway. Uh, and so I'm going to try not to do either one of those today. Um, and so I want to share with you a little bit out of Romans chapter 1. Uh, I want to talk to you about this concept of God having revealed himself. God has been revealed. He has revealed himself. And if you'll bear with me just for a few moments, uh, I will show you how he has done so in your mother. And uh, I think that it's uh, important. Uh, we're going to read verses 18 through 20. If you're there, if you'll uh, uh, reverence the Word of God by standing. Sure. Starting in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd bless this time that we have together. Lord, I pray for the illumination of the blessed Holy Spirit who is among us. I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, encourage us as we seek to edify one another in the strength of the Word of God. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Romans chapter 1 is written to the end that it makes one basic assertion. Now, there's a lot in Romans chapter 1. It's not to say that there's only one thing there. But it makes one basic assertion, and the assertion is that God has revealed himself. In fact, the book of Romans is uh, often referred to as the Magna Carta of the Gospel. Uh, and the first three chapters of the book of Romans are written to the end that you would understand. Everyone uh, can know God, should know God, and is lost without God, and we are all in that state by birth. And so the, the, the implication of Romans chapter 1 is that you have, have seen God, God has revealed himself to you in various different manners, in various different ways, and because of that, you are aware, and due to that awareness and that revelation, you are without excuse. No one will ever stand before uh, the great white throne as an unregenerate sinner and say, I never knew. You, you may guard yourself with that imaginative thought today, but you know, you're born knowing, and everything around you reveals that there is a God. And that's what Romans chapter 1 
states for us when we read uh, there that they are without excuse in verse 20, the they in this passage is applicable to all of mankind. It is everyone who ever has been or ever will be. That is they. All of mankind and men and women, young and old, Jew and Gentile, and if we're speaking in context today, you and me. We are the they. Literally, all of mankind is without excuse. God has revealed himself. We could have a pretty thorough conversation and might even be enjoyable uh, to have a conversation discussing how God has revealed himself within creation. And suffice it to say, uh, it is obvious that what we see around us as the stars and the moon and the, the sun and the heavens and the seas and the land and the animals and human itself, all of that, it's, it's very evident that, that did, none of that occurred randomly. It's not hard to see uh, an intelligent design and, and therefore a designer and, and thereby believing that there is God, because God has revealed himself in that. We could also, from a theological perspective, uh, begin to talk about how God revealed himself in Christ Jesus. That is exactly what he was doing. In case you've ever wondered uh, why, uh, why did Christ come? Why would Christ come? What was the purpose for Christ coming? Christ came to reveal God. It is what he did. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us that, that God in these last days has revealed himself through his son. It goes on to say that Jesus Christ is the express image of God the Father. That is, he is what can be seen and comprehended of God, the man Jesus Christ. So we can say that God has revealed himself through Christ Jesus. But God also reveals himself, and you may or may not be aware of this, but God reveals himself in mankind. We are made in the image of God, and therefore there is some revelation of God in every person. That is what we call the Imago Dei, that you are made in the image of God. And so in you and in every other person, there is a revelation that there is a God. And he is revealed in that person. And because of that, we can see God revealed in various relationship aspects. We're coming home here. Stay with me for a moment. So because God is revealed in every person, the Imago Dei, that means that every particular relationship that we experience throughout our life is given to us in order to be a revelation of God and help us comprehend who God is and what God has done for us. And so over the last several weeks, we as a church have been completing a series. We've got a couple more weeks, but we've been completing a series that's centered around the Christian home. And in that, in Ephesians chapter 5, we determined early on that marriage is a type of Christ and the church. 
And Paul makes great examples in there, concluding it with this statement, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So in the marriage relationship, how the husband is to love the wife the way that Christ loved the church, and the wife is to submit unto the husband the way that the church submits unto Christ, that is an image, a picture that we can understand. If it weren't for the marriage relationship, we would have difficulty comprehending how Christ loved us and how we are to submit to him. But because of that marriage relationship, it's brought down to human terms and we can say, well, that makes sense. That's a revelation of God. The marriage relationship, which involves humans. We're also aware that Christ continually referred to God as his heavenly father. In fact, that has created quite consternation and confusion for some people. They have a very difficult time comprehending the trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and if, if God, Christ was God and eternal, why did he refer to God as the Father? Well, let me help you. Without getting too theological, he did so so that you could comprehend the relationship that God wants to have with you. It is a fatherly relationship. And so Christ referred to God as his heavenly father so that we might comprehend that relationship. He even used the fatherly figure in his parables. The father who sent his son and then avenged the death of his son. The father who had two sons, but one left and the father waited on the return of the other. That is a picture of a relationship that you have in your life so you can comprehend how God, the creator of all, the righteous one, the self-existent one, loves me the way that my dad loves me. And the way that my wife loves me, and I love my wife. He would even say Christ would, speaking of that fatherly relationship, so that we could comprehend it, he would say, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them who ask him, so that we could comprehend so the marriage relationship is a representation of our relationship to Christ. It is a revelation of God's love. The fatherly relationship is representative of our relationship to God, showing him as provider. We're also presented with the concept of him being, of, of the concept of us being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Well, that presents Christ in another relationship. In that picture, Christ is a sibling. He is our brother. He is our next of kin, our near kin. And so that means that as we comprehend that I, I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ, then in my worldly, my, my carnal life, my earthly life, I began to understand my relationship with my siblings, and God is even revealed in that. God is continually saying in the ear of every person born, look at me. Look at the creation. Look at your marriage. Look at your mother. Look at your father. Look at your siblings. All of these are representations of how I want to relate to you and what I am willing 
to do to relate to you. And, and, and thereby, that sibling relationship is a revelation of God as the one who sticks closer than a brother. Well, what about the motherly relationship? Surely, there's a revelation of God in that motherly relationship. This, this one who God providing us with one who loves us when nobody else does. And, and cherishes us the way that no one else would. And protects us even with her own well-being. And patiently, patiently waits for us. When we are wrong, waiting for us to come back home. When we are wicked, waiting for us to be righteous. Surely that is just God revealing another aspect of himself to us. I want you to think about this on this Mother's Day. I want you to think about how desperately God seeks to reveal himself to you. He did so with all of creation. He did so with your father. He did so with your siblings. He does so with your mother. He wants to reveal himself to you. And because of that desire and that diligent effort to reveal himself to you, can I in the most kind and gracious manner say this? You are without excuse. When we think about the, the aspects of motherhood, I, I tried to get it down to just as simple as I could. Just a couple of things, three things maybe that we could see. And, and the first thing I thought it was that creative or creator aspect of motherhood. God has revealed to us in that. I, I want you to think about this for a moment. And, and uh, I hope that I'm not naive in some of the things that I'm saying. I'm speaking from my heart. But everyone has a mother. Everyone. I realize that there's some obvious pitfalls in that line of commitment or that line of comment because we could begin to talk about quality. But in the end, if you're here, you had a mother. <laughs> it's impossible to be here without one. Everyone may not be pleased with their mother or even know their mother, but it's still true that everyone has a mother. Job would say we're all born of woman. No one who is born is born without the presence of a mother. If you exist, you were born. That, that's not true of fatherhood, by the way. I mean, there are methods. There, there doesn't have to be a male participant he doesn't necessarily need to be there the day you're born. He may not have been. You may have never known him. No one may know who he is. Somebody knows who your mother is because somebody was there the day she gave birth to you. That is the creative aspect. Your father may not be around, but we're all born of woman. Your mother has experienced you, every detail of your person. She felt you develop in the womb. She is intimately connected to you. She is likely the first person to hold you and to show you any affection. She looked at you and thought you were beautiful and you know you were not. <laughs> I've seen pictures, you know. 
that you were not. She has known you since you were not known to anyone else. You could not lie to her successfully because she knows you. You can't hurt her intentionally because she ushered you into this world. She's a very unique position in your life. Well, can I tell you something? Just like everyone has a mother, and there's a very unique position in your life, and you could not be here without her, you also have a creator. And he has a very unique position in your life, and you could not be here without him. You may lack a relationship with him, but he exists just the same. You may deny him, but he's still there. We're all created by God. We're all created in his image. We are all filled with his eternal breath. What does that mean that I'm filled with his eternal breath? Just in case you're not aware, you're going to live somewhere forever. Either in the presence of God or in the absence of God. We call that commonly heaven or hell. We are filled with his eternal breath. And this is another wonderful aspect. We are all created to the same end, and that is to honor and glorify God. That is true of every single person ever born. The, the Bible says to us, in the beginning, God. That means that when the beginning occurred, God was already there, and that is true in your life as well. We could go back to whenever you were conceived, I have news for you, God knew you already. He tells us in the book of Jeremiah, speaking of Jeremiah, I knew you in the womb and I called you from the womb. He tells us in Psalm 139 that he is the one who knits us together and he describes that as a piece of tapestry and a piece of artwork. And, and so he knew you before anyone else knew you. Before you were, God was already, and he will be after you have departed. He is eternal. He is immutable. He never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Your mother is a revelation of God to you. Whether good or not, dependable or not, loving or not, living or dead, she existed or does exist, and without her, you would not be, and likewise, without God, you would not be. He has revealed himself. You are without excuse. I also thought about the caring the caring aspects of motherhood, and this is really the genesis of this whole thought. I heard it stated another way. I can't even bring myself to publicly say it because it felt heretical when I first read it. But as I read through some of these thoughts, I began to think about the truth in them and how God has revealed himself. What we see in a mother is a person who cares for you the way God cares for you. That means that she is protective. And what we see in the scriptures is on a few occasions, uh, God is described as a mother hen who would gather her chicks under her, Christ saying to Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills 
prophets and stones those who sent it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we are told that God cares for his people like an eagle hovering over her young. In the book of, of Psalm, or in, the, in Psalm chapter 22, we're told that God is concerned for his people like a midwife cares for the child that she's delivered. In Isaiah 49, we are told that God will never forget his children like a nursing mother would never forget her child. In Isaiah 66, we're told that God comforts his people the way a nursing mother comforts her child. And finally, in Hosea chapter 13, we're said that God experiences the anger over the loss of his children like a mother bear deprived of her whelps. He's protective like a mother. No one protects like your mom. You all know my mother. You have seen her. What you have not seen is her clear the living room with a cast iron frying pan and chase an enemy across the front yard. But guess what? I have. I know exactly what she's capable of. She looks innocent. And you cross her and see what happens. Very protective individual. There's nobody that will protect the way your mother. Nobody will fight for you like your mother. Nobody will sacrifice for you like your mother. She will protect her young with the ferocity of a bear. She'll provide with her own body. She'll guard you with the fearlessness of an eagle. She'll gather you with the faithfulness of a hen. That, my friend, is a revelation of the way God loves you, specifically. He cares for you like no one else. He gave his only begotten son that you might be saved. He has been revealed, and you're without excuse. I thought about not only the protective aspect of a mother, but I thought about the patience aspect of a mother. Awaiting your return, or awaiting your sobriety maybe, or awaiting your maturity. You ever seen anybody so patient as a mother? You ever seen anybody so loving and so believing that good is going to come in the end as a mother? Well, I've seen that as well. And God is described often as waiting or displaying mercy, or grace, or long-suffering. He's described as slow to anger and patient. No one models this better than a mother. I have watched my mother hope for her children. And many of you know, I'm the youngest of eight. You have eight kids, there's a multitude of directions those kids can go. And they're not always the right direction. And I've watched my mother wait and pray and believe when nobody else believed. This concept of, of waiting and, and, and when all hope seemed to be lost, still waiting and praying with hope, patiently waiting for her kids to act right or to get sober or to come home or to call or to get well. And God described the prodigal as watching, the prodigal, the father of the prodigal is watching 
for his son's return, waiting for him to come back. And most mothers have this type of love and belief in their children. That's a revelation of God's love. God is waiting as well. He's long-suffering. He's unwilling that any would perish. But sadly, some have discounted his patience for slackness. And they have treated his patience as a license to continue in sin and unrepentant disbelief. His love and his patience have been revealed to you. And I don't want to be redundant, but you're without excuse. And finally, I thought about the consistency aspect of motherhood. She's always your mother. No matter what. Uh, you can make an absolute horrible mess out of your life. And when nobody else is around, when everybody else has walked out, when no one else will have anything to do with you, <laughs> she'll be there because she's your mama. And she meant that, and she's going to follow through with that. Likewise, he is your creator. He always has been. He is your redeemer. He is the true God. But there's one thing you need to know about this man, this God. He one day will be your judge. It's much like your mother. God will love when no one else will. He created you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to see you free from sin's prison. He wants to unburden you of the weight of guilt that you bear. He wants to restore life. He'll always be there. He'll always be righteous. He'll always be just. He'll always forgive the repentant. He'll provide light for those that seek it. Understanding for those that need it. Redemption for those that repent. But just as surely as God is the creator. And just as surely as he is caring. And just as surely as he is consistent. The Bible says that one day he'll be the judge. And for the born-again believer, that means that one day we'll stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. It's a place of reward. Yes, sir. But for that one who never bends a knee to Christ, they will one day stand before the great white throne of judgment. And in that day, they will bend a knee. Yes, sir. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord of all, but it will be eternally too late. He's consistent and he's dependable. If you today do not know him as your redeemer, repent and believe the gospel. He died so that you might live. He was made sin so that you might be made the righteousness of God. I would ask you today as we close, how do you know God? How well do you know him? Is he just the big man in the sky? Is he your, just your creator? He's just the, the watchmaker to you? Or is he your redeemer? Is he your protector? Is he your personal savior? He's revealed himself to you even in your mother whom you honor today. 
but do you honor the creator as much as you honor that creature? Would you stand with me this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? She prepares to play an invitation. Uh, maybe, maybe if your mother's here today, maybe you just want to spend a, a minute with her and encourage her. Uh, maybe today you want to come down and spend some time with the Lord and allow him to encourage you. I don't know your need, but I do know that the Lord loves you and he's provided all that you need for eternal life. Father, I pray that you would Speak to our hearts here in this moment, Lord. Strengthen us. Charge, challenge, convert, Lord, whatever is necessary. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. As she plays, the altar's open.